You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. Please, will you welcome to the stage, Pasco! This is a story from a long time ago, and, uh, and, it, and it's, it's an odd one, and I wasn't expecting to tell it, and Lucy said to me, no, I think you should tell that story. And I kind of went, yes, Lucy, I'll tell that story. And um, <laughs> so uh, I, I grew up with like, uh, quite unconventionally hippie parents, beatnik parents, etc., etc. All I wanted to do was travel. All I wanted to do was travel. I used to talk about it all the time. And then finally, I, I met a girl when I was 17, and all she wanted to do was travel. So we mucked up our A-levels and we went travelling. And uh, finally I, I got to Israel and it was a place that I'd always wanted to go um, for lots and lots of different reasons, but primarily for me it was about the kibbutznik movement. I thought it was an incredible thing and, and what people had kind of achieved there on, on kibbutzes. So we'd done some time in Greece and done the islands, went to Cyprus and then got to Israel, worked on a building site, got a little bit of money together, went off to kibbutz and very, very excited to be there. And um, it, was, it was a proper socialist kibbutz I went to. Every, everyone was treated, in my opinion, very, very well. And uh, it was a real broad mix of people that were there. <coughs> and uh, the, the, the woman I went with, <laughs> she hated it. She absolutely hated it. And I've kind of... I felt I'd arrived in paradise. And I was loving it and having such a great time. And, and, and she obviously wasn't. And so she met some, some Swedish friends and she said, look, you know, I'm going to take off for a week and I'm going to work out what I want to do and you stay here because you're obviously having a fantastic time and you work out what you want to do. So it's like, right, okay, um, let's do that. But the, as I remember it, the agreement was a week. So a week passes, no contact. Another week passes and I'm starting to lose my shit about because... What's also happening at this time, it's the first intifada. So there's a lot of tension in the country. There's lots of things happening that are very awkward and uncomfortable. <clears throat> and a lot of that we now see through a lens of history, and I'm not sure if it's, any of it's actually resolved itself. But it was very, very difficult. And I was very scared because I didn't know where in the country she was. All I knew was that she'd gone off with some, some people that she barely knew. And the deal was she was just going to be away for a week. So a week turns into two weeks, turns into three weeks. I'm phoning parents, I'm talking to people, and nobody can really do anything. And I'm going to the police, I'm saying, you know, filling out missing persons reports, and nothing's coming back. So I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to Haifa, I'm going all around the country, going to the hostels, trying to see if anybody... And, and people in Jerusalem had seen her. Um, but that was it, and I thought, I don't know what to do. And then there's this realisation that one gets as an insecure young man that you know, maybe I've just been dumped. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what's happened. And um, so I phoned up my folks and I said, look, I, I need to get out of here. I'm in, I'm in a bad way. This isn't going well. I'm very, very, very unhappy. The country feels very dangerous. Um, and so my parents, they, they managed to get a little bit of money and they got me a flight out. Um, and I'm at the airport and I... Probably, I mean, you know, we all have ups and downs, but I'm probably at the lowest I could possibly be as an 18-year-old boy, really. 
And I'm sitting in this airport, and all of this is going through my head. I shouldn't be going. I shouldn't be leaving the country. I shouldn't be leaving somebody behind. But also, I can't be here anymore. This is just going wrong, and I've got, I've got no help, was how it felt. And this, this guy comes walking towards me. And this guy is, I don't know, six foot three, six foot... More beautiful than any man should ever be, you know? Absolutely beautiful. And he sits down and says, oh, I've been looking for you. Okay, hello. Um, he said, you know, uh, so, so what's going on? So I was, what do you mean? I said, I'm going back to England. He said, but, yeah. And he engages me properly in this conversation. And um, I tell him everything. I tell him absolutely everything that's been going on, completely um, roll out all of my fear, all of, all of my worry. And he's essentially just... Um, He's telling me that everything is fine. Don't worry. Everything is going to be with an absolute certainty. You know when you're looking at somebody that you, you know, maybe, you know, it was almost like having a parent sitting beside me that was wrapping their arms around me and telling me everything is going to be all right. You've got to calm down. Everything's going to be fine. Um, and and there, you know, this story goes on and on and on with this, with this guy. And then, and then he, he gets up and he says, well, anyway, I've, I've got to go now because I've got to go and see somebody. Okay, right. I said, well, who are you? What's your name? I don't even know your name. And he says, my name's Emmanuel Love. And just walked off. Now that means, and I'm not a religious person now, but that means God is with us, that name, Emmanuel Love. And in that moment, I felt that I'd just met my guardian angel. <laughs> That's my story. Pascal, thank you. True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writer Centre Norwich.